0: Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle
2: Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, one and all, December 29th here on the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew, the last of the 2022 version bets Isn't that wild?
1: to think about like every year man the nfl season just flies by i actually to my to myself today recording this i was like huh i wonder when new Year's is this year just had no idea like when the actual week was looked at the calendar turns out it's this weekend are you doing anything fun to celebrate for uh for new year's
2: eve you know it, it is yeah it's sunday it's it's the main slate uh, i know a lot of people that's what they're doing i'm actually heading out later today with the fam we got a little cabin up in uh, northern arizona a location not discussing uh, right now, uh, Parts but uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, we're just getting away for three or four days with the kids. We've already packed up at least seven or eight board games, and uh, yeah, it's just going to be is, real. Is sorry,
1: making the trip, making the trip for uh, you guys.
2: Oh, sorry is pretty much Houston's favorite game because he thinks he can just whoop me every single time at it, but yeah, just, just mean, let me know if you
1: a- need any advice on how to play because uh, as you've seen, I'm very good at that game.
2: I mean, sorry is a pretty classic board game um i've tried some we did some hungry hungry hippos the other day have you played oh, that that's in a, a while?
1: good one. Oh, i mean not in a while but when i was a kid all the time
2: you know the commercials and everything were cool as a kid but the game lasts five seconds like it is this so accurate. fast <laughs> it's 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 actually not very fun like i'm like let's play a different game but yeah you anything for new years uh
1: just the wife and i going to dinner and then we are in at at home with the the twins Probably asleep at 1030 if all things go according to plan. So we'll see.
2: <laughs> it's been a while since I've gotten up to midnight for uh, for that with kids. And I'm okay with it. I mean, I, I'm i not missing out.
1: No, I, I'm with you at this point. I think there will be a point, though, in the next like three or four years where it's like, oh, I kind of missed that aspect of it. But for now, I'm good. I'm good to just chill and, and have a quiet night. it also be the college football playoff for anyone that's into that. To watch those games in the evening so it should be a fun weekend filled with football
2: yes and i'm battling out a uh dynasty championship my brother and i team Borgononi's jabronis against uh jason and mike's team known as the idiot savants but they've also rebranded as the nasty boys so it's uh, a nasty
1: boys week for sure that's that's why i love week 17 week 18 dfs
2: yeah, and, and that matchup actually comes down to Monday night. I have an Allen Digstack. They have Burrow. So I think that our matchup is going to come down to that last Monday night game. But, yeah, it's it's a fun time of the year for a lot of people playing redraft championship. Best ball, you know, best of luck to you, bets and the Pomeranian. Uh, we'll see how that turns out this weekend. And, yeah, we still got some DFS to play. We go all throughout the playoffs. You can join us, being in on the fun at dfspass.com. We have slashed the price to the point where – We're basically giving away for free. I mean, at at some point, it feels like we're going to do that, right? We're just going to give this away.
1: I mean, each week that goes by, it feels like it gets just, you know, cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. So eventually, it will be $0 at this point. So yeah, I mean, hey, if you you didn't get what you wanted for Christmas, this is the chance.
2: Yeah, so it's 66% off. You can go to DFSPass.com to get our DraftKings FanDuel picks. Our points per dollar rankings, which I, I cannot stress enough. We'll talk about this in the mailbag. The easiest way to create your player pool is to go in the DFS Pass, look at our rankings for both DraftKings and FanDuel, and you can sort by points per dollar. So, Ramondre Stevenson, we'll talk about in a second, is killing it this week because he's underpriced, especially on FanDuel. And you can figure that out very easily just by sorting. So, go to dfspass.com, use the promo code DFSPod if you want to get into that. Let's talk about our salary standouts. salary standouts. Dang it. I hit the wrong drop, but you know what? We're just going to roll with it. That's uh, salary (laughs) standouts. Straight cash, homie. You know what? Randy Moss would be mad at me, so let me hit it again. (laughs) Straight cash, homie. Randy Gene Moss, that is. Gene is his middle name. I don't know if it's
1: worse that that happened or that it happened and I didn't even notice. That's what we're (laughs) at in the season, so wouldn't have, have said nothing if you wouldn't have said something yourself.
2: I thought about just not mentioning it, but At quarterback this week, it's Jared Goff week on both sides. He's going to be the most popular quarterback. 5.6 at DraftKings, 7.4 on FanDuel. Have you changed your mind at all since Tuesday?
1: No. Uh, I think Jared Goff is the play. Uh, He's going to be the most popular play, I think, in tournaments just as a whole on the slate, but certainly in cash. And I just don't think you need to get cute. At 5.6, you save a lot of money off the guys at the top. And, you know, Goff relative to, I think his standards has shown a pretty good ceiling this year in the right matchups. You talk about they're at home. We know the situation. We'll talk about the game. Those games fly over the total almost all the time when they play at home. His splits are better at home. You know, his weapons are healthy. Like it all lines up for a Jared Goff game here against Chicago. And we talk about the Chicago run defense being an issue. Their pass defense is just as much of an issue and they can't get after the quarterback. And when Jared Goff has struggled historically in his career, it's because he's been under pressure that is not going to be the case, I don't think, this week. So for me, Jared Goff at 5.6. Um, I just don't think you think twice about it. He is an obvious playing cash.
2: There's other quarterbacks in that range, like Daniel Jones is around the same price, Gardner Minshew, Brock Purdy. But like when you think about cash, you think about how popular it is, you'd rather just cancel that out if he's going to be 60 plus percent. I don't think you have to get cute. I love Mahomes, but he's very expensive when you think about how you're building this week. So. We're playing Jared Goff. I think most of the field is playing Jared Goff. When we get to breaking down that game, I am going to ask the tough questions and say, what does Jared Goff need to do to really separate if he's going to be that popular? And then how can you get different knowing that a lot of the field is going to play him? Like, what does Jared Goff need to do to fail? Like, if Jared Goff puts up 20 points in a tournament, would you say that's a failure in a GPP? I mean, it's
1: all just dependent on the other parts of your roster, right? Like you could hit on a couple low rostered guys that are lower in salary and make up for it if he is going to be that popular. And if the guys above him fail, like if the if the expensive guys, you know, like if Mahomes gets you 24 this week and golf gets you to 20 because of the salary savings, golf's a better play, right? So it just depends on, I think, what happens to the quarterbacks above him on the slate. And there are some guys that have a pretty good ceiling, but, you know, there's no Josh Allen. There's no Joe Burrow on the slate. Um, Dak isn't on the slate. So... I think it is one of those that it's tough to poke holes in Goff's floor. I definitely see a ceiling though as well.
2: I just want to mention Aaron Rodgers on both sites as cheap. We'll talk about that game. I wish that I could give you some performances in his game logs that said, hey, he hit 20 points, but he still has yet to do that this year. And last week was a massive disappointment against the Dolphins. But Aaron Rodgers' price stands out to me as well. But let's just stay with Jared Goff now. We'll talk about Mahomes and Fields as alternatives later on in this episode because you're saving with jared Goff this week 5.6 i think a lot of builds are going to have at least two running backs that are above 7k in their builds we like saquon the most at 8k it just seems super clean home favorite against the colts who have been destroyed on the ground so saquon's their favorite cmc at 9k is that too expensive for you
1: Not necessarily based off his role, but I just have some concerns overall about what could happen for San Francisco. Not that they won't have success and win the game. You know, The Raiders are clearly uh, not looking to win this game with Jared Stidham starting. The Niners defense we'll talk about is the best cash game defense for obvious reasons at 2.9. But when you think about CMC and really to pay off 9K, he can do it in two, three quarters, certainly. But like, if they're up two scores in the fourth quarter, do you think San Francisco really runs out their starters the entire time? Debo's already banged up. You know, CMC's been a guy that's been on the injury report, but has played well with the knee issue. And from a motivation standpoint, when you think about the postseason, there's a very slight chance that they can improve their seeding, but they're pretty much locked into. Uh, I think it's the three seed, Kyle. If I'm not mistaken, maybe the uh, yeah the three seed is is the lowest they can go. And you know, the Eagles just need to win one game over the next two weeks to lock up the one seed. So it's tough to see them really wanting to go for it in the fourth quarter if they're up by 17 against Jared Stidham. So to me, I think there's just holes you can poke in CMC from a cash game perspective because you have to pay nine K for him. That said, if you want to go contrarian and say, look, it's Christian McCaffrey. And if the field isn't going to play him, it makes sense. I just don't think you need to prioritize that spend up option in cash.
2: The other middle tier options that we like this week, James Connor 7.2 against Atlanta. Ramondre Stevenson on both sides is really good on Fandle. He is far and away like an insane play at seven K on Fandle. So he's in my cash game lineup there. They just both project so well and they're involved in the passing game where you'd like to see it. Ramondre's had two weeks in a row where he's had the boneheaded plays, but love the workload, love the matchup for both of them. I will probably be playing one of those two in cash.
1: Yeah, they're both great plays. I mean, I feel like if I had to pick one right now, it's James Conner, just based off how much volume he's seeing. I mean, you can poke a lot of holes in what's happening in Arizona. They've obviously uh, aren't trending in the right direction as an organization, but what they are doing is giving James Conner the ball. It feels like every play, 94% of the running back rush attempts over the last three weeks, AKA no one else is touching the football in the backfield. And he's seeing a lot of work, a 17% target share in the last three weeks. It's tough to find that sort of volume at 7.2k on DraftKings. And just for Ramondre real quick, I also am very bullish on him as well. I know the last week wasn't what you thought it would be, but he's still playing a ton. He's still seeing a ton of usage in the passing game. And Miami's run defense is good, but they give it up a lot to pass catching backs. Certainly, that's what Ramondre Stevenson is. So, I love both guys this week. If I'm forced to pick one, though, for me, it's James Conner.
2: And we're recording this on Thursday. And as of Thursday, Damian Harris missed practice today. So... Yeah, just another boost for Ramondre in his projection. A little bit lower, Travis Etienne, 6.4. Doug Peterson said he'll play the starters. It's against the Texans, one of the worst rush defenses. He's interesting at that price point. Uh, and then a little bit lower, Tyler Algier at 5.3. Since week seven, the Cardinals are dead last and schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the running back position. So Algier is great. In points per dollar, I'm obviously not playing Connor and Algier in the same lineup. And then what do we know about the Green Bay running backs right now uh, with Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon uh, on the injury front?
1: Yeah, the Packers are definitely a team that if you're playing DFS this weekend, you need to monitor what happens on Friday and then kind of the final injury report because A.J. Dillon would be a standout play and I think a priority over all the names we just mentioned personally for me. If Aaron Jones, for some reason, doesn't play, it sounds like he's going to, though. He was limited today, uh, or sorry, on Wednesday, and then we haven't gotten Thursday yet for his injury, listed with a knee issue and an ankle issue. I think there's a good chance he plays based off the limited practice on Wednesday, but again, just monitor and and make sure you're plugged in there. Obviously, AJ Dillon is off our board for cash if Aaron Jones is active, but if he is out, AJ Dillon, to me, would slide right into a priority play.
2: One more name I want to mention on FanDuel, Miles Sanders at 6.8 is standing out to me as someone you can play in cash. If you say, Hey, they're at home, they're in a must win situation, five and a half point favorites against the saints who surprisingly haven't been great against the run this year. I think miles Sanders is in play, but his floor always feels like, is this going to be a dud game where he goes 11 for 45 or something like that's in the mix.
1: So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it absolutely is each week. And and that kind of floor, I think gives you a little pause for concern
2: at wide receiver. I have a lot of names on my list this week, and a couple of names I didn't think I'd be talking about. Well, I knew I would be mentioning Keenan Allen at 7K, Amon Ra at 7.8. Those are our PPR buds. Keenan Allen's my guy. Amon Ra's your guy. I think we're now like shaking hands, like the shaking hands emoji, right? I mean, are we?
1: Because we still have a wager on the line, so
2: no 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 we're <laughs> no i'm just simply saying that he is your keenan allen once again like that's that that's where we can agree right
1: i see what you say yes yes agreed they're both like <laughs> it's funny because they're the same archetype of player like someone that you want to get 10 11 12 targets every week catch six seven eight nine balls and rack up 90 yards from scrimmage would be perfect in ppr that's what these two guys are that's literally what they are going to be i think this week i wrote them both up in the dfs pass for my cash picks for DraftKings. um i love both i to me, I still think Amon Ra is a priority if you're only playing for one of these guys. Even for $800 more, just game environment is better. And I'm not saying the Chargers aren't going to push their guys to play. They just locked up the playoffs. But if you're looking for like extra motivation, the Lions need to win this game. So for me, Amon Ra is the priority.
2: I agree. He'll, he'll probably end up ahead of my rankings for wide receiver top plays. Can I interest you? I did not think I'd be saying this. At Brandon Cooks at 4.8 at home, against Jacksonville one of the worst defenses in terms of giving up the pass
1: yep I wrote him up and it didn't feel good I'm not gonna lie but at 4.8 it's hard not to be okay with it right I mean he was just back in the lineup last week he missed a few games with his calf issue 76% of the snaps and saw nine targets his highest since week two so Nico Collins is on IR they're gonna have to throw we think and the quarterback concern is a play, but at 4.8 it kind of mitigates it. We know Jacksonville's one of the worst secondaries in the league as well, and you know, Doug Peterson has said they're playing their guys, they're playing their starters. There's also a chance that if they get up in the second half that they pull some starters on both sides of the ball because the game doesn't mean that much to them. So if that is the case, even more um, of a better outlook, I would say, for Brandon Cooks. But yes, at 4.8, totally fine with it.
2: Yeah, and just to reiterate, like, Brandon Cooks is always going to show up well, and this price is lower than we've seen. He used to be what, like a, just right at 6K forever? Like that was, it was just, like
1: 5.8 to 6.2, and never more, never less.
2: <laughs> yes. And now we're getting him at this price. So I, I think Brandon Cook stands out from a, you know, projecting targets. The Packers wide receiver, I think, is the biggest question mark I have this week of Christian Watson. If he's out, what do you do? Romeo Dobbs is 4.7. Alan Lazard is 5.4. And on FanDuel, I love Lazard at 6.2 as well. So, Where are you at with those? Because it feels like I want a Packers wide receiver in this matchup against Minnesota.
1: Yeah, I lean Alan Lazard. I I know he's a little more expensive. I just think Rodgers trusts him more. He's kind of been his guy historically, assuming Christian Watson is out, of course. And, you know, I could totally see Dobbs getting there as well. So I'm not saying he's a bad play. I think I just prefer Alan Lazard. Um, Quietly seeing a lot of deep targets, which I, I was surprised to see that when I was doing some research for the show, and we talk about Minnesota every week, it's, hey, they give up a ton of deep balls, to wide receivers. To me, that's where Lazard can win. And we haven't really seen a classic, you know, like eight for 80 and two touchdown type of game for Lazard, but he has those in his bag. And if Jones is limited, if Christian Watson is limited or out, I definitely see the path for Lazard paying off 5.4 on DraftKings and 6.2 on FanDuel is incredible. So to me, I prefer Lazard if I'm forced to choose one.
2: Yeah, on Fanduel, he's more of a priority play because that's kind of his game uh, as more of a touchdown guy. Like Lazard's never going to be a guy that gets like nine, ten catches. Like he's just right. he's just not. But I think it sets up really well for him. Um, Garrett Wilson looks fine at five point five, just right in that middle zone. It's a Mike White game, and he's averaged one hundred and ten receiving yards, ten targets per game in Mike White games. So I don't think you can go wrong there. Any other names you want to mention? I feel like that's a pretty good six, seven players that you can start with. And, you know, look at the points per dollar projections. Like, for instance, Justin Jefferson on FanDuel is going to show up really well at
1: 9.2. Yeah, on DraftKings this week, it feels like it's one of those weeks where I think a balanced build is probably right when you start with golf and you consider, you know, like the 7K to uh, high 6K running backs. And then you get these like 4 and 5K wide receivers. You spin up for one of Amon Ra and Keenan. So it's I think it's more of a balanced build for me and Cash this week. Rather than trying to prioritize uh the elite wide receivers that are up at eight, nine K, which I'm not saying is bad to do in tournaments. I just think for cash these values are so strong this week that I'll be going with a balanced build.
2: Keep in mind on FanDuel, they kind of left Tyler Lockett's price because I think they didn't think he was gonna play. So he's only six K on FanDuel, which is like really low for FanDuel pricing. So keep you know, stay up to date with the practice reports. There's a lot of misinformation on Wednesday of like, is he practicing? It was a walkthrough, whatever it is, but Tyler Lockett at least projects really well uh, if he's going to play this week. At tight end, can I just say I love Cole Komet this week?
1: Cole Komet. You're back, huh? We're back from best ball season? For, hey, for Cole, this. this was it right here, right? This is why you were talking about up during best ball season is okay. to get to week 17 against the Lions.
2: If you did a three tight end build in best ball and Cole Komet was one of your guys and let's just say you had a, I don't know, Higby and you taste Ingram. Like if you had a three tight end, you are so happy. And I think a lot of those, the the route this past year in best ball was Kelsey or punt it late for three tight ends. And so I think Komet's gotten there since week nine. He has a 26% target share and he's clearly the best pass catching option for Justin Fields this week. He's going to be needed. Lions giving up a ton to the tight end position, the highest target success rate to the position. So I like Cole Komet at 4.5 there on FanDuel 5.3, even better.
1: Yeah, I I think he's more of a tournament play for me, I think. How dare you? Just just because for $100 uh, less, you can get Evan Ingram. And if I'm going to pay 4.4 for a guy like that, I think Ingram has shown us more upside weekly and that he doesn't need the touchdown to get there. Not saying Komet is a bad play. I think he's actually a really good play in tournaments as part of that stack, which we'll talk about. But Evan Ingram's just been getting so much volume. They're designing plays for him. And actually uh, looking at some of the stuff from PFF, Houston plays a lot of cover two. His targets and targets throughout run go through the roof against uh, cover two looks on defense, which Houston plays. So I think this is a big Evan Ingram game for me. i prefer him for $100 cheaper.
2: I was trying to look for the water bet, you know, button. Because I really just, can we just water <laughs> bet this right now? Cole Komet versus Evan Ingram this week.
1: More DraftKings points?
2: Yeah, more DraftKings points. Let's do that.
1: But let's do it. I'm in.
2: All right. Sound effect is right here, but I can't find it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it, would be, it would be really great. You're such think, a pro, Kyle. I know. They're both at a great price point if you want to do that. I don't love the punt options this week, and I don't think you have to do it uh, based on the builds. Uh, but play Travis Kelsey on FanDuel. We'll talk about that game in a second, but just play him. Just keep playing him. And it's crazy when you stack Mahomes and Kelsey. The price is through the roof, but it's been working out. And this is one of those games for the 12.5-point favorites, so you could do that. You mentioned earlier, let's finish with defense. The Niners at 2.9. 2.9, the Niners, uh, against Jared Stidham, who is... Um, man, I'm trying to get a good... He stinks. He's a, he's a He should be out of the league.
1: He's making Why? his first career start in Week 17. And the Niners, you know, are they good? Yeah, they're good. They're number one in EPA, number one in DVOA, number one in su- success rate, and number one in points per drive allowed. Man, I-, I feel bad for Jared Stidham. Like, throwing him to the wolves here in a game against San Francisco and if you're looking at the betting markets and what that means to Jared Stidham this game was minus five and a half for San Francisco when the news uh, dropped went to minus 10 within minutes so that's how the market values Jared Stidham just play him just play the Niners defense in cash don't think twice about it I think this week actually for tournaments there's, this is an incredible defense week because when you look at the starting quarterbacks across the NFL there's a number of ways things can go south for any of these teams, so I'll be trying to fade. I think the Niners in tournaments. Just there's so many good options. I I think the uh, the Browns against Carson Wentz are a great play. I think Carolina against Tom Brady is a great play. Um, you've got Nick Foles under center. You've got Baker Mayfield on the Rams. Yeah, like there's just so many ways that you can get there in a defense. So the Niners are incredible, but look, get different in tournaments.
2: You just listed a couple of guys that will end up being insurance salesmen. And, uh, you know, uh, they'll, they'll give, they'll have like little local, like football camps in like two years. Like, Hey, so there's so the Nick Foles and you know, life insurance, whatever it is, financial planning. I feel like that's really a good future for Jared Stinnum.
1: Did you see, by the way, speaking of uh, Nick Foles, did you see the Eckler interview with Matt Harmon from Yahoo? I did. I did. Oh Explain my it to people. gosh. <laughs> well, Harmon does the show with, uh, with Eckler on Yahoo and it's very good. Eckler's a very big fantasy fan and. He was asking a question, you know, would you play Michael Pittman this week or would you play Mike Evans? And you know, they're talking about it, and Harmon goes, "Oh, by the way, Jeff Saturday just announced they're starting Nick Foles again." And Eckler just looks at the camera and goes, "Again?" Like after they just played them one night football. So it was very funny. Go check it out if you missed it.
2: Nick Foles, great guy, rooting for him, but he will retire. He's 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 an out of the league guy. This next
1: You know, year. you know how I feel about Nick Foles. I love the man, but. This ain't it, man. This is not it.
2: No, 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 no. Uh, other defenses, just to list a few, if you wanted the Panthers at 2.4 against the Buccaneers, who I think have an offense, but they've only hit their team implied total twice this year, that's gross. Uh, if you want to do the Falcons at home at 2.7 against uh, the Cardinals, I think that's a safe play. I don't know if that's high upside. And then the Chiefs on FanDuel are very interesting at 4.3. They should be priced up a lot more because they're playing Russell Wilson. So consider that. Consider that this week we have a ton of games that are low in total. We have a lot of games, 13, but 10 of them are 43 or below. So there's there's just some things to think about with defenses and how you get different. But uh, before we talk about these games, let's take a quick break.
0: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com.
2: to talk about motivation for these teams in the playoffs and DFS. So is there any situation that as things have kind of progressed this week and you kind of got to see, okay, well, Oh, clearly the Raiders are uh, checking out, you know, that even though they technically mathematically have a chance at the playoffs they are like, nah, nah, we're not doing that. Nah, Uh, we're good. Is there any uh, things that we need to make aware of people like, Hey, this is what's on the line for some of these teams. Um, uh, that's changed your perspective of your player pools.
1: There's not much that's changed this week. Next week, there's going to be a ton. The only one that i am just, I know we talked about Evan Ingram. We mentioned Travis Etienne. That to me is one that I'm just a little hesitant about. I know that the Jaguars have said they are starting their players and they're going to play as if they're going to win. And I think it improves like their playoff chances just based off tiebreakers by like 3% or something like that if they win this game. But really what it comes down to for them is week 18 against Tennessee. If you watched last night on Thursday Night Football, you saw the Titans didn't play anyone. And if you made it to your fantasy championship with Derrick Henry, I feel terrible for you. But that is the game that matters for these two teams. So I'm just hesitant that we might not see a full um, a full game from their starters. Doug Peterson has sat his guys in the past. So we'll see on that one. But there's a lot of teams that need to win this week. Like, you know, the Vikings are still alive for the one seed. The Eagles need one more win to clinch the one seed. Uh, the Bucks need to win this game. The Panthers need to win this game. So there's a lot of things on the line, the commanders, the giants, the NFC, I think is pretty straightforward. And then on the AFC side of the ball, like, you know, there's a couple teams that I think have some question marks just about like motivation and playing time. We talked about that with the Jaguars. Um, The chargers are a team. Again, I'm a little hesitant about with Austin Eckler's banged up. Do they push him because they just clinched the playoff berth. So there's just a little bit more question marks on that side, but overall, I think it's pretty clean next week though. I think it's going to be the wild, wild West.
2: Yeah, it's, it's. I know there's been discussions, I've seen it on Twitter, about, hey, do we need to move back fantasy championships and all that other stuff? I think there's always going to be situations. Um, but we get to roll with it, and that's DFS. So let's talk about the games we want to stack. Stack
0: attack.
2: Who knew? Who would have known that Ford Field would end up being the place where we throw weekly ragers for DFS? I mean, this old-timey... You know, it seems like an old-timey team, Bears and Lions. Like, was this the game that you thought at the beginning of the year, like, oh, we're going to be going for it this game?
1: Uh, Of course. That's why, Kyle, we predicted this is the game that you should be stacking in Week 17 for best ball. Yes, of course. Um, No. No one expected this to happen (laughs) with the Bears offense or the Lions offense, who they have just been incredible. Um, And what's so great about the Lions, too, is like, they've shown that they can get there when they're uh, controlling the game and, you know, put up points, but also... Some of their best games have come when they've been terrible on defense and forced to just play fast and throw the ball a ton as we saw last week against the Panthers. So, clearly, highest total on the slate. We're going to be targeting the Lions in this game.
2: Yeah, Lions home games have averaged 60 plus combined points. The most plays per game. They've hit the over in every game except for one in that game. That game was only uh, 53 combined points. How dare they? You know, do better. So
1: bad. So boring.
2: The Lions are six point home favorites in the over-unders at 52. So, we get a Pretty healthy team-implied total of the Lions, 29 points. Highest on the slate. it, it, It beat the Chiefs?
1: Chiefs came down by, I think, a half point.
2: Okay. So Jared Garf, let's talk about him. He's averaging 277, two and a half at home. And we know that Chicago's defense is really, really bad over the last six weeks. They're 32nd in expected points added per play. Okay. It's clear. These defenses stink. You want to buy in. Are you double stacking Jared Goff? And then who are you bringing back with on the other side? Because you can't bring him back with Justin Fields. I wish we could.
1: Yes, I think that you are double stacking Jared Goff if you're playing him. And you know the, the tough thing about this slate is that this is a great spot and it's going to be chalky. And so it's hard to see this one poking holes. Of course, chaos happens in the NFL every week. So I'm not saying it can't fail. But when you just look at optimal settings on the slate... A Goff Ra stack is going to show up a ton in people running optimizers. So it's going to be very popular. That said, we just talked about Amon Ra, We just talked about Jared Goff. They're in incredible spots here against Chicago. Last time Amon Ra played this team, 10 catches for 119 yards. He should go bonkers. And so I think you have to have him if you're playing a Jared Goff stack in tournaments, even though it's going to be popular. So what I'm looking to do is if I'm, if I'm playing Jared Goff stacks with Amon Ra, I'm going to try to find a second piece that's going to help me get different, whether that's DJ Chark, who I actually love this week. And you're going to think I'm crazy, but DeAndre Swift, I know that this is a scary proposition, and we've been through the ringer with this, and it's so much fatigue at this point talking about it. But target counts over the last five weeks eight, six, four, nine, five. If a wide receiver was getting that as a stacking partner at 5.3, you probably would try to play it right in tournaments. Again, not a cash play, don't do that. But if the field is off of it, I think it's interesting. And then real quick with DJ Chark, who I do like, Chicago is dead last in yards per reception allowed to wide receivers this year. DJ Chark, 7.3 yards per reception this season. So to me, if you're stacking for a deep bomb, it's DJ Chark.
2: You know I'm down with DJ Chark. Love it. Love it. Uh, Man, DeAndre Swift mentioned on Tuesday doesn't exist to me. But I do like the contrarian approach. I get it. Uh, I just... The fact that Jamal Williams is back and not on the injury report, I'm like, oh, gosh. This is going to be a game where stacking Jared Goff makes the most sense. It just does. Everything on the paper says it does. And then it could easily turn into one of those games where Jay Willie gets two touchdowns and Amon Ra's fine for cash. Jared Goff's fine for cash, but it doesn't hit the ceiling. So I just want to give an outcome where this doesn't happen um, because I think that fields can easily get there. Like fields can be the QB one. He was against this team for, In week 10, right? He had four total touchdowns. Like, Fields can do it. And he's talked a little bit about the rushing yardage record. He needs 196 over the last two games. It's all there. He's just expensive. So, who on the Bears side do you have the most confidence with if you're stacking Jared Goff? Because you're saying if he's going to get there in a stack, like if he's going to get 25 plus points, you need the Bears to keep pace. And we know that Fields can get there, but who's the other piece?
1: As far as who I'd stack fields with
2: or, or who, who's your bring back from the bear side.
1: It's Cole Komet. Okay. We talked about him in cash. I'm, I'm in on him in tournaments. I just think for a hundred dollars less, like why would you like what you don't need to kind of thing, but it makes for an incredible price point pivot in tournaments off Evan Ingram. So I like Cole Komet. um No defense has allowed more touchdowns to tight ends this year. And these guys in the 4k range to pay it off, have to score touchdowns. So Cole commit to me is a great GPP play. I like him a lot. Um, and real quick, we you didn't mention it with Justin Fields, but the rushing you talked about, this is the matchup. Like no defense has allowed more quarterback rushing yards than Detroit this year. So I think one way that you can play this game differently is stack Justin Fields with Cole Komet and then just play someone like Swift or um DJ Chark on the other side is a way to get really contrarian in this game stack.
2: Yeah, I wanna search for a wide receiver because this is right, the matchup for wide receivers in terms of big plays like Detroit is it. And it's like Chase Claypool has been a giant turd since they traded for him. This is a. Waste he also hasn't of- played in a couple weeks. Yeah, and he hasn't played. Byron Pringle, no thank you. He's your boy, not mine. And then, <laughs> I I mean Dante Pettis is super cheap. I just can't go anywhere else other than Cole Komet. Detroit has been a team recently that we'd stayed away from the run, and then they got demolished last week by Dante Foreman and Chuba Hubbard. So, can you stack fields with Dave Montgomery?
1: I mean, in that situation, I guess you're saying that they both like that the Lions run defense is terrible again and that they just go crazy. I think my lean though is if I'm playing tournaments, especially if listeners are playing in the large field stuff, you need your guys to hit a ceiling in each spot. The quarterback needs a ceiling, the running backs, your wide receivers, they all have to hit. And in those formats, I think it's tougher to see Montgomery and Fields hitting it together because a lot of their value is going to come from rushing. So to me, I don't think that I would go with that approach. Um, now in small field stuff, I think it's probably viable, but if you're playing in the large field stuff, I think you just play one of them.
2: All right. Give me your Vegas take on this game.
1: I mean, are we going to take an under on a, on a lions game at home? Give me the over.
2: Yeah. I took the over as well earlier in the week. So it's, I, yeah, there's no reason why you wouldn't say there there would be over the, the minus six line is interesting. I feel like that's kind of high for a team that's been playing a lot of close games, but yeah, give me the over 52 next game. Minnesota Vikings at the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are three-point home favorites. And the over-unders at 47.5. We love Minnesota games as well. Like, we've been talking a ton about, uh, you know, how we like Detroit games. Well, Minnesota games are great. They're averaging the most combined plays. 58 total points per game over last month. And I wrote this in the uh, the DFS pass. It's like a biscuit can uh, when you open it up and it kind of, like, that, that's kind of like what really big people feel like when they're in jeans. Like Sometimes in my jeans, they don't fit very well, <laughs> and so I feel like a biscuit can just spewing out the side.
1: That's a great analogy. I like that.
2: It's in the South, we use it sometimes. <laughs> Ugh, I feel that way in my jeans. Uh, but man, no better feeling than your jeans, though, too, right?
1: But if you feel like that in your jeans, then I don't think it's a
2: very good <laughs> feeling. <laughs> Seven straight opponents have hit their team implied total against Minnesota. There's a reason the Packers are favored in this game despite Minnesota having 11 wins. Like It's kind of wild when you think about the way things have gone this year and they're 11-0 in one-score games. So, on the Packers' side, I need ceiling outcomes for DFS, and I haven't gotten them from Aaron Rodgers. We mentioned Alan Lazard as a fine cash play, Romeo Dobbs. If you're stacking the Packers' side, how are you doing it?
1: What's interesting, though, about Green Bay is when you think about the team – I feel like a lot of people picture you know, a slow offense, which they have been, but a slower offense and one that is built on very good defense and clock management. When you look at this, Green Bay's defense is not good this year. Sixth most points per play, seventh most yards per play allowed. Meanwhile, we know the, the Vikings are terrible. And what's actually interesting, I think, about Aaron Rodgers this week, you mentioned him as a potential you know, other option that's cheap. I love him for tournaments because... Minnesota is the matchup. Minnesota opponents are throwing um, in the neutral situations at the highest rate, fourth highest rate in football. Green Bay, very quietly, 11th in neutral pass rate over the last month of the season. So they're kind of putting it on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders. This is a must-win game. They have to have it. They're at home. The Packers play better in December. And so I think Rodgers, to me, is a very good pivot off of Jared Goff for only $400 more. I love him for tournaments. And if you're stacking him because he doesn't run, you're, you're getting two guys. Christian Watson is a guy that we need to monitor ahead of Friday. He was limited today on Thursday. Christian Watson to me has the highest ceiling of any of these guys. So if he's active and hundred percent, I am very interested in Watson, but you could also talk me into Alan Lazard this week. Do you have a preference of those two guys?
2: Uh, I like Lazard because we mentioned the big plays and I just think it hasn't worked out. Like he's, he's kind of been like Mike Evans this year where it's like, okay, the targets are there. The snaps are there. Like he's leading this team in routes run by a long shot and it just hasn't connected. So I will be double-stacking Aaron Rodgers this week, like you mentioned, as a price point pivot. And I think you can do it with one of the running backs. Like I think you can bring in Lazard and bring in one of the running backs. Uh, I love what I've seen from the usage of A.J. Dillon. He's just so touchdown-dependent that it's hard to just jump on board, uh, where Aaron Jones is one of those players that has monster games. But yeah, I'll be double-stacking this week. I think in a large-field tournament, that's already getting you very different than the field
1: yeah for sure and you know it would not be surprising to me also to see Romeo Dobbs pop up for a big game or we talk about the slot against the Vikings all the time like Randall Cobb to just all of a sudden pop up for 80 yards and a touchdown or two like there's a lot of ways I can see this game going so don't be afraid to get different on Green Bay's side of the ball but I think the point is like we love the matchup and we're very in on the Packers at home here
2: yeah and and on the Vikings side you mentioned the Packers defense hasn't been great like They've historically been a run funnel team that we want to use, right? So the Packers are 31st in EPA per play, 28th in 15 plus yard plays on the ground. So maybe you and I were a week too early on Dalvin Cook. And if you didn't want to fully stack this game, like you could, you could just do Cook and then pick a Packers wide receiver. And I would be totally happy with that as, as correlating that way. Lazard or Dobbs with Dalvin Cook. But can you do Kirk Cousins stacks because has worked out quite well recently but he's on the road it's in Lambeau there's some narratives at play here but Kirk Cousins Justin Jefferson stack is it just that simple on the Viking side
1: there's not much to add just they've been so good and you know when you have a guy like Kirk Cousins who you make the game simple by saying hey there's your best player throw the ball to him over and over again and it's worked out incredibly no surprise and people will say you know Jai Alexander's on the other side of the ball like are you concerned he hasn't been the same player this year. And the Green Bay Packers secondary has not been as good as it has been in recent seasons. So if that narrative is at play, I would much very interested in fading that. He's expensive. So the tricky thing is like with Kirk Cousins, I think when you play him, you want to double stack him. But if you're stacking him with Justin Jefferson at 9,500, you need you need 150 and at least one score to pay off that in a tournament because he's so expensive. So I actually kind of think single stacking with Jefferson is is more interesting to me this week. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, it's it, when you start adding in other players, Hawkinson, who's relative to the tight end position, like more expensive. I think you're running into a lot of what people just assume is going to be this is what happened last week, where Hawkinson went bananas. So I'm not as interested in Kirk Cousins this week. Um, I'm just more bullish on Rodgers. And I think I will mostly be playing bringbacks of Cook or Jefferson. Or I'm playing them as one-offs, um, and that, that's kind of where, I've, where I'm at in this game.
1: Yeah, and real quick too yep. with with Dalvin Cook, we didn't s- mention it specifically, but just thinking about his price point, this sets up beautifully as a guy that's going to get lost in the shuffle. When you think about James Conner, seventy two hundred, Reminder Stevenson, sixty eight hundred, they're projecting as the two most popular plays, or two of the most popular plays, I should say, on the slate. Travis Etienne, sixty four hundred, like I think he's gonna a, a guy that people are gonna scroll right past looking at this matchup.
2: Give me your Vegas take.
1: I'm going over forty-seven and a half. Feels a little bit low. These offenses we know can get the job done, and I really want to point out, like the Packers defense has not been the Packers defense. If you watch the first game last week on Christmas, when Tua was not concussed, they moved the ball so easily, and then of course he threw all the picks and stuff like that. So, over forty-seven and a half.
2: I will take the Packers. I've seen it someplace at minus two and a half, which would make me feel even better. But uh, my, I don't mind Packers minus three. I think they can get it done here. Last game, I think we'll be pretty quick on this game. Denver Broncos at the Kansas City Chiefs. The over-under is 45, and the Chiefs are 12.5-point home favorites. They've been double-digit favorites four times this year. And you might say, oh, are the Chiefs. They're killing it. Their games have been a lot closer this year than people realize. They've only covered the spread in five of their 15 games. One of those games recently was against these Broncos where You ate crow because Russell Wilson was (laughs) the greatest quarterback on the planet. And Um, he could have
1: had an even better day if he didn't get tackled at the one or the two yard line.
2: There you go. Um, We're not recommending Russell Wilson this week at all. We love the chiefs. We always love the chiefs because here we go. They're number one in pass rate over expectation, EPA per play, passing yards per game, points per drive, yards per drive. And the best part, they throw more often than any other team in the first half of games. So you don't ever have to guess the game script for the chiefs. You just have to say, "Is this a game where the other team can actually get there, and do I need a bring back?" So I mean, Mahome's, Kelsey as a simple stacking is expensive. It's probably gonna pay off, and it has in a great way in these double digit favorite games this year, they've had a they've hit two and a half x on their salary in all four of those games. And they've had a couple of them where they've gone over three and a half X, including one where they four Xed on their salary. So, man, what are you trying to do in this in this game? And what are you trying to say with the Broncos side? Because I just I'm just gonna be playing Mahomes, Kelsey, stacks.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the optimal way to play it, right? Because when you think about Mahomes' best games, usually it's with Kelsey, and we know Kelsey's role in the red zone is there. And if you're thinking about tournaments, you need touchdowns to win. So it makes a lot of sense and you know when you look at we don't want to get too recency biased here but just look at what Tyler Higbee just did last week against this defense and when the team you know loses their head coach they're yelling on the sidelines like they're done they're done this year and I think the Chiefs are going to roll in this game and so if that happens like Mahomes is obviously going to get there so I love Kelsey I'm with you on that I'm also very interested in going back to the well with Juju I feel like this is a good spot to say hey last week was a down week he was he was played by some people in cash. Didn't work out. 5,600 on DraftKings is very cheap. Nine seventy four and 1 on 11 targets against this team just a few weeks ago. And we talked about him last week as a cash game option because of the fact that he had been seeing 10 and 11 targets in the prior two games. So if, if the field wants to go box score hunting and just see like, oh, Juju stunned last week. I'm not going to play him. I'm happy to go right back to it here. And what you're saying in that situation is Mahomes throws for three touchdowns. One goes to Juju, you know, two go to Kelsey, something like that.
2: And if you're, if you're saying to yourself they're too expensive, I do think you can get out of this game by playing one of the running backs if they get there with two touchdowns. I, I will note that Pacheco has been solid but no boom games that you can really think about where McKinnon, like, it's hard to keep repeating his efficiency, especially as a pass catcher. But I looked it up this year. Isaiah Pacheco, a rush attempt for him has been worth .55 fantasy points. But a McKinnon target has been almost four times as as valuable. So think about that when you're doing your projections. Like, let's say Pacheco gets 15 rush attempts and McKinnon gets only like four or five targets. It's still more valuable when you add in what McKinnon's done through the air. So I think you can look at either of those players if you just want to cancel out and say, hey, I think this game doesn't get there. I think the Broncos don't push their weight. And, uh, you know, I get two touchdowns from one of the running backs. I think that's totally fine, but... Mahomes Kelsey and then yeah Juju probably projects the best I can't really go anywhere else on the Casey side
1: yep I'm with you especially too because like Andy Reid has said Michael Hardman's gonna come back into play so it's tough because it's like a rotation of Hardman and Kadarius Tony and Marquez Valdez-Scantling it's you know Justin Watson mixes in so it's really tough to recommend any of the other guys obviously they're all dart throws but that's really I think the best way to play it, in my opinion is with Juju and Kelsey if you're stacking Mahomes on the other side, if you're not forcing a bring back, is there anyone though that you could talk yourself into if you're going to play one?
2: I mean, Judy's been the most consistent, but he picked up an ankle injury. He had the three touchdowns against this team, but I'm not using that as he did this. Therefore, you know, here's what he's going to do. I'm totally fine. Not using a Broncos player.
1: Yeah. I don't think you need it. I'm just saying, I think it's possible that one of them works out like, Especially when you consider that the Chiefs have given up a ton of receiving touchdowns to wide receivers. They're gonna have to throw. I could just see it being like totally inefficient, but it kind of working out. Um Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy on FanDuel have a really good tags. Sixty eight hundred and seven thousand is decently cheap for FanDuel's pricing. So I'm I'm mildly interested, I'll say that.
2: You know, I'm interested because you and I still have a live ticket on Cortland Sutton to lead the league in touchdowns. He only so... needs
1: twelve this weekend.
2: Okay, well, you, you've definitely perked me <laughs> up. Fifty one hundred is so cheap yeah, as a breakback. Our draftings
1: too, yeah, very cheap.
2: Um, my Vegas take is to take the under in this game. The under is, I mean, it's at forty five, but this year the underdog in these huge spreads has just not gotten there. Like seventeen points, ten points, ten points in three of those games. So I don't, I don't think the Broncos even hit their team implied total.
1: I can't argue. I'm also take the under.
2: It's not a cool thing to say, but uh, this isn't about being the cool kids at the table. It's about being the smartest kids at the table, right? That's right. That's what. That's what. That's what DFS for. All right. Before we get into our props, we're going to hit our slate breakers of the week, and this week we have a very, very special sponsor. And this was something for a while that was it, it swept my life. I don't know about you, but it's Mountain Dew Code Red. Stay true to the streets, people. Were you a Mountain Dew Code Red guy?
1: You know, I never got into it. And I always kind of viewed Code Red as like, like it's just the other thing that people did. They wanted to feel cool. But the better, like, original Mountain Dew is better. Let's be honest.
2: Okay. No, no, no. I mean, that you can have that take. I don't like original Mountain Dew. It's trash. I, I haven't had it since I was a kid. And every, I can get the, the tough takes, but I liked Code Red a lot. You would. So, And there are sponsors, so how dare you?
1: Oh, I'm not. They're a great product. Go buy it. Yeah, definitely a sponsor.
2: Yeah, definitely go buy all the products <laughs> that we mentioned in this segment. Um, I will give mine first. My slate breaker of the week is Justin Fields for many reasons. Last week, it was a rough game in the weather against Buffalo's defense. But when he played these Lions in Week Ten, he was the QB one, four total touchdowns, thirteen carries, 147 rushing yards. I love it. You mentioned before that Detroit is giving up the most rushing yards to any uh, to the quarterback position. Detroit home games have hit the over. We've been mentioning that. And I think it's going to be a back and forth game. The only reason you would want to bring it back to Chicago side is that you have a quarterback and a running back in one player. And I think that Justin Fields can be one of those guys that ends up as the QB one. You're paying up. You're also using it as leverage on golf stacks and using it on people and saying, hey, you know what? The field side can get there. The Detroit side can get there, but I don't need golf. And so I like the contrarian i like the tournament aspect of justin fields this week
1: justin fields coming to win someone a best ball tournament that would be awesome i like it i'll be playing some justin fields this week for sure after he was a bust last week i'm going to stick with the packers we talked about them just being bullish in this spot and it's tough to say right now because we don't know the final injury status but i'm going to say one of christian watson or alan lazard gets there and pays off a 3x tag in DraftKings salary pricing i like christian watson where he's at because i think He'll become coming in a little bit lower than other guys around him because he's a little more expensive. But we talk about it every year in Best Ball and DFS. Rookies late in the season ascend into stardom. We're seeing it with guys like uh, Garrett Wilson with the Jets. We've seen it with Drake London recently. Christian Watson is getting that role as the alpha. If he is active, I love him in tournaments. If he's not, though, give me Alan Lazard. This matchup is incredible.
2: All right. Let's prop it up. Prop it like it's hot. If you want all of our props, you can get them in the DFS pass. Bets gets to notify the people in Discord when they are live, so that you get them before we move all the lines before Bets throws a couple of G's every single time. At some of these, you were just talking about the Packers, so why don't you stay with the theme?
1: Yeah, man, I'm scared how interested I am in the Packers in this game, but I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers over 235 and a half minus 115. And if you're on Prize Picks, that's a 230 and so a half, so a very friendly line there. Um, I like the over. You know, we talked about the Vikings defense. They're terrible. They give up a ton. The most passing yards in the league, they're also giving up a ton of deep plays. And I know Rodgers himself hasn't been this electric 300-yard passer this year, but the trend is just too difficult to ignore. 11 of 15 starting quarterbacks have gone over this mark against this team this year. And we're talking about guys that aren't that great NFL quarterbacks like Mike White and um, you know, other just like backups are like they're getting there. Teddy Bridgewater threw for, for over 300 yards against the Vikings. That's how bad they are. The ones that didn't Matt Ryan, who's basically done with Jeff, Jeff Saturday, Taylor Heineke, Justin Fields, when they were still running a ton and not letting him throw. And Aaron Rodgers did not hit it, but that was back in week one. And the issue that I have with the Packers all the way back then is that the loss of Devonte Adams, they couldn't compensate for it. Now they're figuring it out. Rodgers is rolling. I think this is a good spot. I'm going to go over two thirty-five and a half.
2: Yeah, there's some big plays. I would even there's some props out there in terms of his over for his longest uh, completion. Those are also interesting this week, knowing the Vikings give up some big plays. I will take Alvin Kamara under 62 and a half rushing yards. You can get this in a couple places. DraftKings Sportsbook. I also saw it on Underdog. Um, this is a simple question: Are the Saints going to beat the Eagles? Bets. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I'd be very surprised.
2: Yeah, five-and-a-half-point road dogs the Saints are. Alvin Kamara is averaging 43 rushing yards per game in Saints' losses in his career. This year, it's at 56. And so this is a simple bet on looking at his career average, looking at this team, looking at what they're going to have to do in the second half against the Eagles team. And we've noted this before. There's a massive difference in the Eagles if Jordan Davis is in the lineup, the rookie defensive tackle. If he's not, uh, he's in. And so I will take Kamara under on his rushing yards. Yeah, man, Kamara, would you say he's one of the biggest busts in fantasy this year?
1: Yes, based off his ADP and the fact that he was, it looked like he was kind of turning the corner where you were like, okay, here it is. I have the Kamara that I drafted. And then the last two, three, four weeks, it's kind of just slowly faded away again. And now like, I just feel like there's bad vibes. Don't you out of New Orleans with Kamara? I don't know what's going on, but it just doesn't seem good.
2: There's bad vibes with the whole team uh in how they're managing stuff and it it's it's a weird situation of what they're trying to accomplish there because you know they're about to be out of the playoffs. So yeah, it remember in best ball season it was there's a risk reward with Kamara because of his uh you know situation if he was he gonna get suspended, whatever it was that didn't happen. It's gonna happen after the season, they'll talk about it. But man, he's been a bust as like a second round pick if you went there. But before we finish, let's hop in the mailbag. mailbag if you want to ask your dfs related questions you can get those in the discord channel those that are members at join the foot.com you get to be a part of that and i mean we go year-round so you can talk dfs saw some people asking about nba do you and i dabble in the nba streets you bet we do when we get after nfl yeah um, it's, it's
1: hard right now because like the weekly grind for us is is very busy so when the season does slow down NBA comes, you get January, February. I'll be in the DFS streets. Don't worry.
2: Yeah, definitely. Just make sure every single person in their mama DM bets during NBA season to ask him his stone cold lock of the day, right?
1: Absolutely. I'll give it to you.
2: All right. First question off of Discord is from Phillies for life. I have a home DK league that we do a contest for the main slate every week. It usually has about 20 people. It's a single entry in only first and second cash what do you think is the ideal build for this contest? Is it more small field or large field? I think this
1: mostly depends on like, how good your, uh, your buddies that you're playing with are at DFS. Like, If they're kind of rookies and don't really know what they're doing, like, you could probably just play it pretty safe with a very simple cash lineup. If you do have some sharp people that you're playing against, you'll want to make a couple piv- pivots to just get a little different. But to me, I'm mostly saying this is a cash lineup, and I'm going to make one to three pivots max
2: do they listen to this podcast? I mean, that's a. If they don't, you should tell fine. them about but, it,
1: but also don't because then you have an advantage.
2: Yeah. Here's, here's a good way to do this. Okay. This is, I've thought this out, you know, recommend the podcast, but send them last year's week 17 podcast so that they're like, okay, okay. I like some of these players. They're pretty bullish on this and they can just listen to that. But yeah, it, <laughs> think about a cash lineup, one or two pivots. It's totally fine. I think that most people just don't know how to construct their lineup. I would say, you know, my friends that I play with, some of them are sharper than others, but some people, they start their lineup with obvious plays. Let's say they have Saquon and Ramondre, and then they have Justin Jefferson, and they start looking at their lineup like, wow, they have a couple studs, but the rest of the lineup is just thin. And so at flex, you know, they they have like a $3,000 player because they're just trying to fill in their lineup. So we would say it's about projections, points per dollar, and you can look at that up in the DFS pass. Next question from Voos the Moose. Hey guys, I feel like I haven't had much success with DFS cash contests this year. You said, unlike bets, it's been a bit frustrating. You've discussed on the pod before, but it's very hard to cash if you don't have the two or three chalky guys that smash their projections. It's hard to predict, but do you think next year will be the same or potentially even tougher to cash?
1: Hard to say, but my lean is that I do think it will continue to get harder just because each year that goes by, more people are playing, you know, more uh, sites are devoting their time and resources to building tools, uh, research for DFS. And it's not like it was four or five years ago where, you know, people were just kind of blindly logging in and setting lineups. There's a lot of people that are using projection systems, stuff like that. So I do think it will continue to get harder. And maybe I haven't thought about this much beyond this year, but maybe I will become less of a cash player just if that is the case. We'll have to see what happens. But yeah, I do think it is going to continue to get harder.
2: I think it's a good gauge if you're a consistent cash player of just your process. And even if you want to do something with a couple of friends, like the way that we do on a Friday show with footballers, just even that three-person contest, I think is a consistent thing. Jason is a very good cash player compared to the other two, just to be honest. And I think it's because he builds his lineup and thinks about them in terms of points per dollar and how does this lineup fit as a whole, not just who are two or three good plays. But I would say it's been tough. Like this year was harder than last year for me with cash and the year before I was even better. So I think the field is getting sharper. I think people have a lot of different tools and different sites that are just sharper. Like, you know, people aren't going for, you know, plays out there just like, oh, I need to play like, the week, Travis Homer well, might have been a thing. I feel like the field, I thought the field was going to jump to that more, and they didn't. They just said, hey, you know what? That doesn't look like a great play. He's a thin thin dude. Yes, he's a backup. I think the field is just getting smarter overall. Yep, I'm with you. Next question off of Twitter is from at BrycePat98. When there's uncertainty, do you tend to lean into getting different knowing the safer options will likely be higher rostered or higher owned?
1: In tournaments, I think this is a great thing to do, especially this week and next week. The field is definitely going to get pretty confident in the safe options. Um, But yes, I I think if there's one thing to take away from kind of the NFL season, it's just that every year, every week, chaos happens. And if you are a GPP player that likes to embrace that, it can pay off. You're going to have losses for sure, but you will have big wins if you can play the right way. And I think this is a, a good slate to do that. So yes, I'll be looking to get different in my tournament builds.
2: Yeah. And safe is a relative word because projections are certain players are not as strong. Like, uh, let me, let me, uh, Darius Slayton last week, Darius Slayton is a big play wide receiver, you know, historically speaking in a great matchup. It was against the Vikings. He ended up like four for 79 or something. And Isaiah Hodgins came through now. Slayton was always going to project better than Hodgins, but you know, you wouldn't have called him a safe play. You would have said he's a fine play, and Hodgins has a good chance to do well. So don't just categorize players as just this is all they are. There's more nuance to each play when you consider, you know, the matchup and everything else. Like, this week, let's stay with the Vikings' pass defense. I would say that Dobbs and Lazard are really good plays, but they're still fragile because we haven't seen Rodgers totally go off where, let's say Lazard goes for, like, 5 for 16 a touchdown. Like that's really awesome at his price point. I wouldn't say that like that's like blowing the doors off, but that's good enough. Definitely in cash, but in tournaments if you have another piece, he's fine.
1: Yep. I think you've summed that up pretty well. Like the term safe just feels it's easy to use, but especially for wide receivers, you know, wide receivers as a whole are very inconsistent, and so there's no real in my opinion unless you they're like the PPR guys, like we talked about Keen and Amon Ra. There's a lot of guys, especially when you go down in price that are not safe options, which I think is why it's a good strategy in general. When you see these chalky cheap wide receivers, like you talked about last week with Slayton, it's okay to fade those guys sometimes for sure.
2: All right. Two more questions here. This one's from Zax off of discord. Hey guys, I wanted to ask about your player pool and how you construct it for cash. Do you just start with the teams with the highest implied total?
1: I think that's a part of it. It's definitely not the only thing, right? Because it's all slate context. There's some some games and some teams that are on a certain slate that have a huge total, and there's a lot of those that are over 50, and you really do want to target them. But then there's weeks like this where if you just use team totals, like you might not have guys like Ramondre Stevenson or James Conner in your player pool. To me, it's all about kind of understanding, I think, what contests you're playing. So if it's cash, you're looking at volume for targets, running back touches, opportunity. And then from there, looking at matchups. But yes, to me, it all it is always all about points per dollar projections, first and foremost.
2: Yep go into our rankings tab in the DFS pass, go to DraftKings or FanDuel, and then you can sort by points per dollar. And there's going to be some plays that show up really well. So Dalvin Cook is going to show up really well too this week at 7K. And that might be a player that you would overlook because you'd see other players. But yeah, it's just a really easy way to do that. And I just write down a list, you know, put in a spreadsheet. I'll probably end up, we've mentioned this before, but quarterback two to three um, this week. It's basically Goff is, is the one that I'm staying with. And then running back, I probably have four or five options right now. Saquon's at the top of the list. Wide receiver, seven or eight. Tight end, two or three. And then defense, same thing, two or three. And from there, I kind of whittle it down based on information and how those teams work together when you add up their projections. Last question off of Discord from Mullet Over What do you do to fill the DFS void when the fantasy football season ends? What do you do, Betts?
1: Take a deep breath, take a nap. And relax a little bit um of course we're, we're always doing the playoff stuff so that doesn't start for us until like mid-february but once i'm kind of that point on like this year it'll be different because i'll have uh, the twins so more family time for me when it gets warmer i'm hoping to get back on of the golf course more uh we've done a dfs book club you and i which Woo! you know it's a very exclusive club if you want to be in let us know uh, but there reading a little bit more the in the off season hey it's you gotta do you know you gotta you gotta get in if you want in let us know but um, but yeah, definitely step away a little bit from football and just focus on some other stuff. For me, I love golfing and, and I'll be spending more time with the Twins.
2: Yeah, luckily in Arizona here, you get to spend a lot more time outdoors like when it's January, February. Uh, it's pretty nice. We play a lot of pickleball here. We usually play twice a week during the season. We end up playing four times a week for like two or three hours. Uh, so that's pretty fun because most of the team here is really into that. Uh, Bets mentioned we, I... Definitely like reading and I have an off season mode where I just get to read a lot more. I love reading sports biographies, specifically baseball ones. So those are, that's kind of at the top of my list. I like to write and then man off season. I like off season mode because we get to research and kind of get more creative in our jobs. I think uh, especially for the main show. So I really like finding really niche statistics that I get to use on the show because I mean, it's just different. Like it's, it's very different talking about fantasy football in March than it is in September. And the audience is different, but still fun. Still a fun job. You and I like it a lot. If you want to play with us, go to com. Do it right now. Go on your Netscape browser, whatever browser you're using, and uh, BallersDFS.com, our DraftKings League fantasy footballers, DFS Borg plus Bets. We will have a special New Year's edition. Think about that, Bets. Next time people are playing, it will be a completely different year from now, and it will be uh, quite fun. That's wild. Uh, I know. I, I. It could be you. Yes, you listening right now. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, whoever you're with, you could be the one to win that New Year's contest in the next year. And uh, you can thank us for getting you to go to com to play with us in our DraftKings League. It is super, super fun. Bets. why don't you sign us off and tell the people Happy New Year?
1: Yeah. Dad joke here. Here we come. We'll see you guys next year. (laughs) We look forward to Week 18. It's going to be wild next week, but enjoy Week 17. Enjoy the football. Um, Happy New Year to all of you. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you in 2023 for Week 18. Best of luck this week.
0: Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.